Morning, church. How are we doing? Good? Okay. Um, it's a, a f- unfortunate but fitting place to start out this morning uh, with a prayer request um, that I want to bring to you. Uh, the message that we're going to look at in just a few minutes, Paul's writing to the church of Corinth, and he says, if, if one of the members suffers, we suffer together. If one of us is honored, we rejoice together. And uh, one of my closest friends, John Helly, who is an ECCer here, uh, if you may not know who he is, if you have a kid in youth group, your kids know him and love him. Um, we were paintballing yesterday, and the only shot that I connected with all day, literally, happened to hit him in his eye when he had his goggles off. And doctors do not know if he will be able to see. And so we wanted to um, just pray for him this morning. He, uh, he said, Tim, just pray for me. And he says, no matter what, just pray that, that God's glory is done, whatever brings him the most glory, which is just so John-like. But, so if we can just pray first for him, and then we'll move right on. Lord, thank you for John. Thank you for the man that he is, for the gifts that you've given him. And I just pray for him specifically today that you will give him his sight back. God, you will bring him healing because you are healer. Um, just be with him right now. Give him strength. Give him uh, yeah, strength, Lord, that can only come from you. Be with the doctors. Give them clarity and precision and steadiness of hands as they operate on him. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Um, turning point in my life was July 27th, 2008. I lost my best friend from high school uh, in a tragic car accident in Marshall, Minnesota. And uh, he was a man of God, always mature in his faith. And um, literally, he and his family took me in as family for a year when I was enduring some hardships in my own life. And I remember spending the week with his family following the accident in Marshall, just being completely blown away. I'm sitting there uh, during open mic time at his memorial service. And person after person's coming up and, and sharing with everybody else how God was working through this young man. And you know, that was powerful in and of itself. But then one of the last guys to come up was a man from a remote village in Kenya. And he came up and he said, uh, um, started describing how Ace had um, visited his remote village the year before on an Athletes in Action trip. And just how God was working through this guy, touching the lives of everybody from his village. And he said, my village doesn't have, we don't have resources, we don't have money. But whatever resources and money we did have, we pulled together to buy a plane ticket so I can come here and share this with you today. And it, it just really was a powerful um, experience and it still is powerful to me when I think about it. And God was working in and, in, in and through that time. And it put me in a place where I had to ask myself and answer for myself some very tough questions. God, what am I doing with the life you've given me? Who am I living for? And I want to preface that this morning before we dive into the message together to ask tough questions. When you're in a place where you are honestly seeking truth, you're open, you're vulnerable, God can take you where you are in that place and transform your life, transform your heart, and empower you to live the life of unity that he envisions for his church. 
So that's my preface for you this morning as we dive in. Um, some of you may not know this, but prior to here, a few years back, I was an um, economics teacher at Spring Lake Park High School for juniors. Everybody's favorite class. Everybody loves economics. And I remember um, sitting at parent-teacher conferences mid-trimester in the spring. Jamie had been a student of mine. She was a senior. She had flunked economics four consecutive times and needed to pass my class in order to graduate. And at the time of mid-trimesters, Jamie had a 32%, something horrible. And in comes, I'm sitting at parent-teacher conferences, and I see Jamie walk in with who I assume to be her dad. Looks like Hulk Hogan on steroids, which means he looks like Hulk Hogan. But he... he he comes walking in, and he, you know, just, they're just so big they can barely move. And he, he comes up, he, and I kid you not, he takes a chair, pulls it around, and does one of these. And his biceps are just bulging out of his shirt. And he says, looks at me right in the eye, and he says, let's talk about my daughter. I'm freaking out. <laughs> I'm freaking out because... This is my first year of full-time teaching, and from what I can remember, my first experience with a legitimately angry parent. He was yelling at me. He was huge. He could... He was huge. And he literally tells me, I am going to be the reason his daughter does not graduate on time. And so my approach was, I don't know if it's right or wrong, you just kind of let angry people vent. Just vomit out your thoughts. Whatever you need to do, Get it out. So he does that. And then I, he's done, and I say, excuse me, Mr. Jamie's dad. I forget his name. But excuse me, Jimbo. If we can just take a minute here, and let's take a look at how your daughter's doing so far in my class. And the first thing I did is I pulled out the expectations. I said, here are my expectations. I give this sheet on the first day of class to all my students. I also give an extra copy for them to give to their parents. And I also email a copy to all my parents, so we are all on the same page moving forward. I said, as you can see, 70% of the class is based on tests. And right now she has a 32% in her, or 40-some percent on her testing grade. I said, every day I have office hours where students can come in and talk about things that they don't understand. She's yet to attend once. Day before tests, I have study sessions where students can come in and we can talk about big test concepts. She's yet to attend one of those. I said, I also have a retake policy where students, if they so choose, can retake a test. And if they do better, they can, well, average the two out, that becomes a new test grade. But Jamie's yet to retake a test. And the combination of those three things is significantly bringing down her grade. Then I said, well, and then you can see that 30% of her, homework, or on, of her grade is based on homework. And then I pulled out another sheet, and I said, well, this is the 12 assignments I expect to see from my students. And as you can see, Jamie's yet to submit one of those. And that is significantly bringing down her grade as well. At this point, Hulk was just speechless. Like, he had, he had nothing to say. His jaw was just dropped. And, and he, he had no wiggle room to say anything because I gave him the expectations. I gave Jamie the expectations. It was in, right here for the world to see, 
And here's how Jamie was doing in relation to those. And it became quite clear quite quickly to him that Jamie wasn't living up to the expectations, living up to her potential. Obviously, we didn't end there. We talked about ways we all could collaborate, work together to get her on the right track to graduate past my class. She did, barely, um, but she did. And this morning, what I want to do, and I think it's time for us to do some mid-trimester report cards, because at the end of the day, we have no right to turn our chair around on God and say, God, you are the reason that this is happening. You are the reason that my family is going through this and I'm going through this, that this is happening in the city and the world. You're the reason. Because God will say, hey, my expectations are right here for you to see. It's how you're living up to them that we can own up to. And so um, this morning as we preface, or as we dive into the Word together, I want to take a look at some courses, and I want you to take time to evaluate yourself on those. Be honest with yourself. Ask a tough question. So if you have your Bible, if you don't have your Bible, Bibles are found back there. Take one as a gift from us to you today. If you do, open up to 1 Corinthians 12. It's a longer passage this morning, so bear with me as we get through it. But it's 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to pick up verse 12. Paul's writing this, and he says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, Slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. The foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, the sen- where would be the sense of hearing? If the body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If I were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts in one body. I cannot say to the hand, I have no need for you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need for you, of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty which are more presentable parts, do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. So what I've attempted to do is I've attempted to take a look at our passage, breaking it down into three courses that I want to take time today and go over. And I want you, again, as we go through them, just to self-reflect and grade yourself. This isn't something you have to show your spouse or your kids or anybody else that next to you. It's between you and God, but God already knows. So you might as well do yourself a favor and be honest with yourself. And the first um, course I want to talk about this morning is called Anatomy 101. place for you to write this in your notes. Anatomy 101, avoid being, quote-unquote, that guy. Avoid being that guy. Uh, this analogy may be new to some of you. Um, it's really quite simple, and I'm sure you've been there before. You're sitting at a Vikings game, enjoying another good half, first half of Vikings football. 
only to be interrupted by the drunk guy behind you, seven beers in. He's yelling, he's swearing, he's picking fights with the Packers fans to his left and right, only for you to see him get escorted out by security. Avoid being that guy. Maybe you're at ECC this morning and there's someone you're kind of getting to know a little bit and you, know, you have conversations with them after church and you, you see them this morning and you're going in just for the knuckles or something. And they come and they give you that classic overhug, if you know what I'm talking about. Just, you're just kind of limp. You just don't even know what to do. And they're just bear hugging, going for the real deal. Avoid being that guy. And this one's my all-time favorite. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You're in a public restroom. And some random guy tries to strike conversation with you at the urinal. Does that happen in female bathrooms, in the stalls? I'm seeing no's. Okay. It drives me nuts. Like, let me, I'm just here to go to the bathroom. I don't, I don't want to talk to you, okay? Avoid being that guy. And as it relates to the church this morning, avoid being that guy. And that guy is a guy who goes from church to church or part of the church to part of the church and says, that one sinks, that one sinks, that one sinks, that one sinks. That one's not good enough for me. The donut holes are too dry. Tim said crap in his message. He gets long-winded. The worship's too loud. Avoid being that guy. I saw a great sign the other day for a church as I was driving to a um, rehearsal dinner in Sioux Falls. I forget the name of the church because the slogan was that good, but it said like, blah, 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 church. The place where sinners meet. I love that. We need to hear that more often. Um, The church is filled with sinners because the church is filled with people. And if you're a people, then come join us at Emmanuel Covenant Church because we are not perfect. And I hope that you never hear a message from myself, a message from anybody else up here, from the church at large, that says we are because we're not. The only thing that makes us different is that we've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And... Um, I think it's easy to be the Christian with the critical eye because I've been that person before. And I'm not saying, my disclaimer to this message is, I'm not saying don't ask the right questions. I'm not saying don't be alert, don't be aware, or don't work towards a better operating church body. But what I am saying is that we need more that guys who become this guy. And this guy is a guy that says, they're not perfect, neither am I. Maybe I should stop complaining Start helping out around the house and becoming a good part of the family. Which one are you? And to help visualize this for you this morning, God has gifted me with an ability to draw stick people amazingly well. Okay, this is attempt number one. Hope you can see it in back. If not, I'm sorry. This, this guy, we call this guy free-floating mouth. Okay, free-floating mouth. God's given him a gift. He's got a gift. But he is, if you can tell, he is not attached with his other members. And when you are detached, when you are disconnected, you are completely useless to yourself, to your God, to your church. Okay, That's free-floating mouth. Or you can be this guy. I understand it looks a little Halloween-y. I apologize. The mouth is semi-creepy. But, and this also is shattered glass because... You know, when you're part of the body, your voice and your gift can be magnified and multiplied. And of course, that's shattered glass, if you can see that right there. But the big question is, who are you? Which one are you? As you think about, pray about where you are in relation to this course, are you connected with your other members? Or are you free-floating mouth just out there completely useless? Be thinking and praying about that. Next one I want to talk about is called Cold War History. 
And this, of course, refers to the history in church politics where difference leads to division, which leads to complete disaster. And Paul addresses Cold War tendencies when he says, A head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And in this context, Paul was probably talking to a group of individuals who God had given the gift of speaking in tongues. And for whatever reason, we don't know, these individuals were looking down on everybody else in the church of Corinth. And Paul's coming in saying, whoa, 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 slow down. God gave you a gift. Great. Remember that God gave it to you. And just because you have it doesn't make you any better than anybody else. I think some of you might be here this morning and you might be saying to yourself, well, Tim, I'm not really rich. I'm not really successful. I'm definitely not smart. I'm not a mature Christian. I don't know my Bible that well. What good am I here? What am I supposed to do? And to that person, I say, you are a valuable piece of this body. For starters, you're giving those individuals who do have a mature faith, you're giving them the opportunity to invest in you. You're giving them an opportunity to love you and to serve you and to pray for you and to teach you and to walk with you. Furthermore, there are people here who are struggling. There are people here who are not doing great in life. And if you're here, then they know they're welcome here too. Which means other people, including non-Christians, are going to feel welcome at Emmanuel Covenant Church. Because this is not the VIP club. This is where real people come. This is where real people come and deal with real issues. So wherever you are this morning, come as you are. You are welcome here at Emmanuel Covenant Church. Paul goes on to say, Our presentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body. I love that. I love that within the church, and there's a place we write this down with a typo. I will correct it. With the typo, Cold War history, we are distinct, we are different, we are diverse, but we are not divided. We are distinct, we are different, we are diverse. You can cross out that diverse or divide and put diverse, but we are not divided. And that's what's so great about the church. Different people, not all trying to be the same. And it's the wrong mentality this morning to think that you're not plugged in, you're not contributing unless you have a microphone up here speaking and you're up here leading worship. It's a lie, but I think it's that perspective that gets a lot of us. In God's church, he designates each part as he sees fit. And that means while we don't have the same job, while we don't have the same responsibility, we have equal Worth, And that goes for everybody. That goes for the people who are here every Sunday at 6.30 in the morning setting up for church. That goes for everybody missing the good first half of Vikings football, taking down everything that needs to get taken down on Sundays. That goes for the people that you don't see because you're up here looking at me, the sound and tech guys. Everybody wave and tell them thank you right now. Seriously. They do an awesome job, and you need to know that you do an awesome job and that you have equal worth here. For the volunteers of our kids' ministries, for the people leading, hosting small groups, for the people buying, making treats, setting up the hospitality table, our ushers, our greeters, our communion team, people folding the bulletins every week, 
Everybody I forgot to mention, thank you for what you do here. You have equal worth. And I am amazed and blown away at the talent that we have here. So thank you for what you do. This is a church, moving parts, distinct, different, diverse, but we are not divided. And I think a good way to gauge yourself or kind of reflect on this one is to give yourself a personal connection test. Paul concludes the message by saying, the passage this morning by saying, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. My question for you is, if one of our members is suffering, are you suffering with them? Are you, as the Spirit leads, praying for that person with that disease? Are you praying for that family in that difficult life situation? And on the flip side, are you congratulating, encouraging, and high-fiving those families upon the news of a pregnancy or the news of a, a new child or a graduation? Is that who you are? I think maybe even a better question to take a step back and say, go back to this analogy and say, are you so disconnected that you don't even know if someone is suffering? You don't even know if someone is rejoicing or being honored because you are so far disconnected from the body. Division results from disconnects, a growing disconnects. And a perfect example of this, you see it all the time on on sports teams, is I'm actually a closet fan of Randy Moss, but Randy Moss is a perfect example of this. Phenomenal athlete, phenomenal skill, but there's a disconnect between him and everybody else. He's out here, every team he's at, he's out here yapping his mouth, and as a result, disconnect. And division has followed him every single team he's been on. How are you? Are you disconnected to this family or are you a part of it? Think about that. Pray about that. Last course this morning is senior seminar. This is the one I dreaded most in college because this is where we're supposed to put everything that we're learning and and put it to practice. There's a place for you to put this in your notes. Senior seminar, see a need, fill a need. And to help preface... Um, the last course here, I have a brief video for you to watch, so Levi, take it away. Hey, good morning, ECC. This morning we're talking about the church and what it looks like to be the church. One body, many parts. Um, this morning we're going to take a look at the kids' ministry. We're hoping in February to be expanding what we do at the 1045 service to the 9 o'clock service as well. But in order to make that happen, we need 20 or so volunteers to step up. So, this morning you've heard people like me... Laura and Natalie up in front of the church saying, hey, it's easy stuff what we do here, volunteers, just come check us out. And you hear it, but you don't always see it. So this morning we're going to take a sneak peek. They don't know we're coming in, but for yourself, you're going to be able to see what we do on a Sunday morning with the kids. So follow with me. We're going to take a sneak peek first into the nursery, then we're going to go to the top. So here we go. So here we are, we are in the nursery room, home to our infants, to two-year-olds, and we're just going to take a quick look around here to find out what's going on.
Now we're going to head into the tots from here. I imagine we're going to see much of the same thing. Kids playing, having a good time. Um, but time up for that show. Okay, so that was a, just a sneak peek into our kids' church ministry here. Uh, and as you can see, it's nothing flashy. It's interacting with kids, it's developing relationships with kids, and it's sharing the love of Jesus Christ in practical, tangible, and yes, most, almost always fun ways. As I mentioned in the video... We're, Lord willing, seeking to expand our programming to the 1045, uh, what we do at the 1045 service to the 9 o'clock service as well, which means we want to offer programming to all kids up through fifth grade. But in order to make that happen, we need 20 or 25 individuals to say, hey, I'm willing to step up once or twice a month at one of the services. That's a need that we have. I think some of you might be saying, hold on, Tim, you're being tricky I was paying very close attention to your video, and the only thing that you sh- you, I was put on there was videos of the tots and the infants. That's easy stuff. I have a lap I can read, so I can do that. But what about the elementary school? Elementary school, that's got to be complex. I don't think I have the skill to help out there. And to that person, I say, you have little faith. I have a brief little video to show you. Eric, you're the man. Here you go. Okay, question. Okay, preface. Ping pong balls behind here with Kleenex boxes. They have to wiggle it out. What is this? What were you trying? Oh, I see. okay. All week long, I've been watching that. Like, what? What was this part? That's my favorite. Okay, if you can do that, you can come on board. Like that. That's our elementary. And the virtue that we were talking about was encouragement. So all our kids, with every activity that we were doing, were encouraged to build each other up and encourage our teammates, or in this case, our teachers. Okay? The, the reality is that we have needs at Emmanuel Covenant Church. And the, and the kids' ministry is just one of those. But I would like to see us, and I want to make sure that we get to our 25 kids by Lord willing February. That's what I want to see. And, and the reality that goes along with this, and you may not want to hear this this morning, is that God brought you here to fill needs. God brought you here to fill them. There are, as I mentioned earlier, there can be people who walk into a church and say, this one stinks, this one's not very good, this one could use some help. And to that person, I say, good, congratulations, 
God gave you a gift to see that there's a need to apparently diagnose it pretty good. Now I'm going to put you to work in Jesus' name so that you can fix it. Because that's what ministry is. It's walking in and saying, I see a hole, I see a need. I have two choices. I can complain and say that one stinks, or I can do something about it and I can help. Which one are you this morning? Think about that and pray about that. Some of you are here today, maybe you're not a Christian, and you're thinking to yourself, what am I doing here for what feels like this giant meeting that's held on Sunday mornings? And to you I say, you're here to meet Jesus Christ. That's why I'm here. That's why we're all here. We're here this morning to meet Jesus Christ. And God wants you here to connect you to this body. God wants you here to benefit from this body. God wants you to know that Jesus Christ is God, that he lived without sin, that he died for you, that he loves you, that he rose again. He's alive and well today. And that if you pray to him, he'll hear you. And if you confess sin to him, he will forgive you. And that his Holy Spirit will come inside of you, dwell inside of your heart, and transform you to live a completely and entirely different life. You're here to meet Jesus. And you're here because God wants to connect you to this church. So that we can love you, we can care for you, we can pray for you, we can walk alongside of you and answer your questions. And when you suffer, we suffer with you. And when you rejoice and are honored, we clap and rejoice with you. He brought you here to be a part of what he's already doing. And I love the fact that all across the Twin Cities, all around the world today, millions of Christians are gathering together to bring praise to Jesus Christ. When you think about that, that's just the coolest thing. I have a friend here from Guatemala, Roll Tide. He's from, originally from Alabama. He's a missionary down in Guatemala. And today, they are praising Jesus Christ. That's the case everywhere. That's so cool. Young and old, black and white, rich and poor, highly educated, inked up, liberal, conservative, really rich, really poor, all coming together under the banner of Jesus Christ. And for an innocent bystander looking in at that, he or she has got to be thinking, what on earth are all these people doing together? Because apart from Jesus Christ, I'll tell you what we'd be doing. We would be killing each other. Because in this world, difference leads to division. And division leads to conflict. And conflict leads to hatred. And hatred to all different sorts of evil and sin. But with Jesus, I can say, I love Jesus. And the person to your left and to your right, and the person from the church down the street, down 35W, halfway across the world, they, they say, I love Jesus too. And I guess that's all that really matters. Jesus is the center of our community. He's the center of the church. And likewise, he's the center of Emmanuel Covenant Church. And as this group of believers that you see around here this morning, as we learn to walk closer to Jesus Christ, We'll grow closer and walk closer with each other. When that happens, we'll have a stronger church. We'll be able to do more ministry. More needs of the poor, widowed, and orphaned can be met. More people around the Twin Cities, around the world, we can love and share the truth of Jesus Christ too. That's a task of the church. And that's not me talking, that's God talking. And the question for you this morning, the question I want to leave you with this morning is, are you connected to it. Let us pray.
God, we thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you for your son that you have given um, and sent him to us. God, we thank you for that. We thank you that he is the head of the church. Lord, without him, we would be doing what we do best, messing things up. Lord, but I thank you for the gift of your son and your spirit. God, and I pray that wherever we are at today, Lord, that you will meet us where we are, that you will challenge us where we need to be challenged and encourage us where we need to be encouraged. God, just, just stretch us and challenge us this week to live the life of the church that you envision us to be. Thank you for who you are. Bless us as we go forth from this place. Thank you, Lord. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Have a great week.